I was speaking, um, and you still showed up anyway, I thank you. Um, I do have a confession to make. I don't know where Brother Artie has information, but I ain't got no hour, hour and a half. I can guarantee you that. Uh, well, you know, I have been told that I do have the gift of gab, so maybe I can ramble for an hour. I uh, told Brother Eddie this morning, he sure has a, have a hard time following him this morning. He uh, did a fine job, but I can tell you one thing. You were talking about the bush that was the reminder of the switch. I do have a reminder of my own from getting whipped one time, but it wasn't a, a, a bush. It was, um, and there's some here that know this story. Uh, when I was a teenager, I thought I was, you know, I was five foot five, about 150 pounds, thought I was bigger than my five foot two, 88 pound mama. And I smarted off and backed up. Now, any of y'all that knew my mama knew that she was five foot two and 88 pounds, but she was from New York and half Italian, and it, she had a heart of gold. But if you got on her bad side, you knew it. And she chased me through the broom with a house, through the house with a broom. And I tried to hide in a room, and I closed my hand in the door, and uh, coming out thinking I was going to get sympathy. I'm like, my hand, my hand. I fell on the bed. She said, I don't care. And she uh, used that broom of correction on me. So, um, Kind of disappointed Matt's not here. I had a joke. I was going to try to help him out with jokes. Uh, there was a Sunday school class, and in the Sunday school class, they were studying the Ten Commandments. And the teacher said, now, any of the Ten Commandments pertain to uh, your parents? And they were like, oh, yes, yes, honor your father and your mother. She said, do any of them pertain to your siblings? Real quiet. And this one little boy goes, yeah, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> <laughs> the lesson I've prepared tonight, um, the title, when I read the title, you're going to think, now, wait a minute, that's not true. Just hold, hang with me, and when I get through, you'll understand. The title of my lesson is Some Things God Does Not Know. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to start in Psalms chapter 8 this evening. It says, O Lord our God, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which, which you have ordained, what is man that, that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You know, we've all heard the children's prayer that says, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. And truly, God is great and God is good all the time. But God is incomprehensible in that no man can fully understand him. In Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 9 it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways says the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, we can't fully understand God I mean we're just human 
and he knows everything. We think we have people today that think they understand God and the way he thinks, but we can't because his thoughts aren't our thoughts. In Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches of both, of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, his ways past finding out. You know, we don't, we can't fully understand how God thinks because we don't have the knowledge that God has. You know, the Bible teaches us that God is, now I may have a Matt Miller moment here in a second. If, if I'm mispronouncing all these words, y'all be sure to let me know later. But God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-wise, all-knowing. He's present everywhere, and he wants his nature to be where he wants his nature to be. He has unlimited creative power, and he's all-seeing. You know, God is infinite. That is, he has no subject to limitation. Now, I'd like to use that play on words as far as what God doesn't know to look at five things which he doesn't know. First of all, God does not know a single sin which he does not hate. You know, sin is a transgression of God's law. And God's law is the highest order of law for all of mankind. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, it says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know, sin is responsible for all the bad things in the world. You know, people, some people today try to say, we know that, that's a new sin. That wasn't one in the Bible. Sin is no different than if we had, had every sin in Bible times that we do now. It's like some people like to say, it's just packaged different now. And people want to blame God for stuff. It's not God, it's sin that causes a lot of the things. Like it causes physical death. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 19, it says, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. And in Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin... And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. You know, we all sin we all fall short of God's, God's glory. And if we don't receive forgiveness of that sin, then we will have a, the, not only physical death, but spiritual death. In 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So as long as we seek forgiveness of the sins that we commit, then we'll have a chance at a home in heaven with, one, with God one day. Another thing that sin causes is spiritual death. In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. You know, even when Christ hung on the cross and he took all of our sins upon him, you know, God couldn't look on him because of the sin. And it's the same way with our sins. Unless we ask for forgiveness of him, he can't look on our sins because God hates sin. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in, in the sons of disobedience. And in 1 Timothy 5, 6 says, 
but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. You know, men have a tendency, we try to blame God for life's tragedies, but really, sin is to blame, and Satan is to blame. It's just like in the story Brother Eddie read this morning at the end of his lesson. You know, the girl knew what she was doing was wrong, but she did it anyway. And it wasn't God's fault that she did it, but she realized that what she did was wrong by lying to her parents and not being where she was supposed to be. The next thing that God doesn't know is he doesn't know a single sinner in which he does not love. <clears throat> you know, God loves his creation. We see in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, God loves us all, but he doesn't want us to sin. It's just like parents today. We want our children to do right. We love them. Sometimes we have to punish them, and sometimes we're disappointed in them if they don't do what's right. 1 John 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should, not, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. You know, if we are children of God and we put the world behind us and we put sin behind us, then they're gonna, the world is going to persecute us and they're going to make fun of us and they're going to laugh at us because they don't know God. All they know is the pleasures of sin. In Romans 5 verse 8 it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if God didn't love us, he wouldn't have sent his only son to die on the cross for the remission of our sins because it, it would have been, well, I've created them. They don't want to obey me. Oh, well. But no, he wants everybody to be saved, so he sent his son. In 1 Timothy 1, chapter 15, it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So Christ came to save us. He came to wash away our sins. <clears throat> and we need to understand that. And we need to always be sure to try to live for him and do what's right. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Christ died so we wouldn't have to suffer a spiritual death. He was willing to do that because him and God love us all. You know, man has always been helpless to save himself. You know, he enters, but here's where the enters the love and mercy of God. In Titus 3, verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. We have to have something on our behalf and that's where Christ and his blood comes and that brings us to my next point God doesn't know a better way to save than by blood you know Christ's blood was shed on the cross at Calvary and it's all sufficient atonement for man's sins you have to reach it before you can reach forgiveness in heaven you know the blood of animals never had the power to take away sins in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4 it says for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. There was only one type of blood that could wash away our sins, and that was Christ's blood. 
and it has the power to take away sins. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So it's only through Christ's blood that we can receive forgiveness. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So we can see that the only way we can receive forgiveness is if we're washed in his blood through baptism. You know, and it continues to cleanse as we see in 1 John 1 and 7. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But how does the blood of Christ cleanse us from our sins? In Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4, it says, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So from these verses we see that when we're baptized in, with him into his death and come raising up a new person, our sins are washed away and we have a newness of life. The old is put away and we start with the new. Another thing that God does not know is he does not know a single unfaithful child he will not save. It isn't enough just to become a child of God. One must live faithfully as a child of God. Matthew chapter 10 verse 22 says, And you will be hated for all my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. You know, we have to live that faithful life. If we wanted to live in heaven one day, we have to obey God and be faithful. And we must maintain our faithfulness for the rest of our earthly lives. In Revelation 2.10 says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Nobody ever said the life of a Christian is going to be easy. There's going to be people that ridicule us, make fun of us, laugh at us, don't understand why we just don't enjoy all the pleasures of the world that they do. But one day, if we remain faithful, it's going to be worth it all to live in heaven with God. But it is possible to fall. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. In James chapter 5, 19 and 20, it says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. In 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And also in Hebrews 10, 26 it says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. We can see from these verses, just because we become a Christian doesn't mean we can still fall away. doesn't mean we can't still fall away. It's still possible if we start turning back to our worldly ways, then the sacrifice that Jesus made 
it no longer atones for our sins, we'll have to ask for forgiveness. But we got to fortify ourselves in the gospel of Christ. And the last thing that I'd like to look at that God does not know is he does not know a better time to save than right now. You know, the Bible places strong emphasis on the adverb now. You know, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Through, through your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised another hour. We're not promised the next five minutes. And we're not really promised the next 30 seconds. You know, life is like a vapor. We, we don't know when it will end. The Lord could come back at any time or, or, you know, something could happen to one of us. And we always have to remember that, you know, we're not promised tomorrow, so why wait? Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. In 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he says in an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Like I said, we don't know when Christ will come back. We don't know how long we'll live. So there's no better time than now to be, to be saved and become a Christian. You know, using these plain words, we've looked at five different things that God doesn't know. He doesn't know a single sin which he does not hate. He doesn't know a single sinner which he does not love. He doesn't know a better way to save than by blood. And he does not know a single unfaithful child he will sa he will, that, <clears throat> that he will save if they ask. He doesn't know a better time than saved than now. You know, maybe you're a, a child of God and you've fallen away and you need prayers. If you do, now's the time to come. Or, or maybe you haven't become a Christian yet. If there's any way that we can assist you as it comes, we stand and sing. <laughs>